Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky, and my guest names are Claire and Nico. Woo! Yay! Hello! Hello! Hi, everyone. I'm Claire. Claire's Hello, new. I'm Nico. Yes, I am new. You're new to this world, and uh, we are going to be talking about the Monster Mash. Yeah! Everybody's favorite Halloween song. Wow. Yeah, well, it can't be everyone's favorite. Then it wouldn't divide us. True. Oh, true. that's a great point. Yeah, I. Yeah. It, it's definitely everyone's Halloween song, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. It's, everyone has come into contact with it at some point. Yeah, do you guys remember at all how you first came into contact with the Monster Mash? Let's be clear, by the way, we're talking about Monster Mash, which is a song about the Monster Mash. So, the... The first time I came into contact with the song, but not the dance. <laughs> there was somehow a way that I got to the dance before the song. Um, I have no idea. This is uh, this is like a folk song to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just been in my brain since I was born. It's I feel the same way. I can like, I have memories of this song playing at the like Halloween social at my elementary school. Like I've known it forever. Sure. I think yeah. When whenever I rose from the the slab we call the womb, mm. suddenly ah, yes. to my surprise, I knew <laughs> you, you did the mash. The mash. Yeah, your baby's right doing there. the mash. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I I guess I'm uniquely positioned here because I didn't really grow up with Halloween, and so I do remember where I first heard Monster Mash, and it was on The Simpsons. There's a really good gag in one episode. It's like a Valentine's Day episode. And at the end, the radio station, the guy at the radio accidentally plays Monster Mash. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good gag. Is is the bit just like no one would ever want to listen to the Monster Mash? Or? It's, it's, it's that. And like, then the DJ is trying to like make up a reason why Monster Mash is connected to Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it like and that. And then Monster Mash plays over the credits. You know, kind of upsetting that uh, Bobby Boris Pickett didn't do a Valentine's Monster song, to my <gasps> knowledge. True, true. We'll get into everything that he did do, um, but a, a Valentine's yeah. song was not one of them. That would have been a that would have been kind of a banger. We can get in the studio, if you want. I can produce. Yeah, we could do, we could do the, a Monster Mash for if, the if new generation. If someone can do the voice. Yeah, yeah, I could probably do yeah. the voice. Also, my personal theory about the Monster Mash is that it's about a monster orgy, which means it's basically already a Valentine's Day song. Sure. Like, we get the Monster Smash Valentine's Day remix. Mmm. Yeah, just sort of a, like you know, that. very sensual. It's the same You got like a vocals, but just like, you know, smooth. Yeah. It's it's the same vocal style over like a Neptune's beat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm envisioning. Yeah. Yeah, like Charlie Wilson, yeah. (laughs) So, before we get into the storied history of of the Monster Mash, there's some fun stuff to talk about here. We have our news segment, What's Pulpin'? And uh, there's one thing I want to talk about. Uh, The writer's strike is over. The SAG strike is still going on. The delicious fruits of the writer's strike are just starting to emerge. We saw it in 2008 when there was a writer's strike. The TV network's are like, what can we make without writers? And uh, it's it's pure gold every time. So uh, the headline I have here, a Deal or No Deal spinoff with Joe Manganiello is coming, and it's on an island. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, good. You know what? Tell the writers to stay home. Deal or No Deal island. <laughs> no writers need <laughs> I really, really hope that it's Deal or No Deal and Love Island mashed together. Ooh, it's definitely to not, tr- but can you imagine? You, you have to try to fuck one of the briefcases yeah. by the end of yeah. the Yeah! <laughs> the, the idea with Deal or No Deal Island is that it combines elements of Deal or No Deal and Survivor. What, what I have here is uh, the briefcases are hidden on the island, which I think is called the Banker's Island. Uh, sort of a sort of an Epstein <laughs> connotation there. I feel like yeah. <laughs> yeah. the bankers. My my uncle is always talking about some bankers island at Thanksgiving. He's a lot of thoughts on, <laughs> on what goes on there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, in each episode, contestants will try to get their hands on the highest value briefcase for a chance to win immunity and <laughs> choose a fellow player to enter the temple where they must play a high stakes game of deal or no deal. So <laughs> they, they choose a briefcase. That's so. <laughs> In order to choose which other player gets to go play Deal or No Deal. <laughs> it's, deal or No Deal is like three steps removed from just like literal craps, right? Like I feel like there's not that much skill involved. I can't imagine there being a strategic advantage to like yeah. picking who you play with. Yeah. Unless you're just like, oh, there's one guy on the island who like doesn't know the numbers after seven. So like you want to pick him. Like what could the possible advantage be? And the idea of immunity is so interesting to me because again, it's deal or no deal once you get in there. It's like I, I, I just think it's so funny to imagine like they're on this island. It's this beautiful thing. They all come on a boat and they they have like some kind of special briefcase thing where you're choosing immunity and it's got all this all this like production design going into it. And you go into the temple, which which I don't even want to know what that is. But then once you enter the temple, it's just the regular deal or no deal set. is it gonna be like jungle themed do you think are they gonna make it try to look like a mini golf course like i have to imagine i just don't like i guess i i see why you wouldn't want to just like be standing around on an island playing deal or no deal but but like yeah outside (laughs) like like starts raining (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like what happens at the temple like is it is it legends of the hidden temple are there like obstacles you have to run through to yeah choosing <laughs> if you pick the wrong briefcase a boulder comes down briefcase. turns into you know Donkey you say Kong. this is a uh, this is writer's strike like fallout but this is like now that that mr beast is like replaced the need for for competition shows mm. i feel like strike or not mm. we're just gonna get more stuff like this just like Oh, it's we're gonna do like Love Island, but they're like cats or something. Yeah, <laughs> the pitches are gonna get more and more surreal. It's the only game yeah. show where ten thousand people play. <laughs> yeah, Cause, well, because like if you wanted to be a game show guy, I feel like that's what you would do. Now you just go do Mr. Beast and like you know I don't know like it's like I I, I walk in a straight line and get like a million dollars or something. Like, yeah. like who's who in 2023 is like, oh, well, deal or no deal is obviously my favorite uh, program. Right. But there are people go on this one. But there are people who are like that for Survivor. So the idea is obviously like Ooh. if you can turn deal or no deal into Survivor somehow. <laughs> Survivor is what the kids like. I know people who still watch like Survivor yeah. reruns. Yeah, That's totally. Crazy. I think you kind of see it with with a lot. Now that I think about it, it's like every show is like angling towards being Survivor or Big Brother, and and Love Island exactly. is kind of just say. those two put together, and then it's a bunch of things trying to be that. Yeah, yeah, it's all about like the platonic ideal of any reality competition show is to get it as close to the drama of the Real Housewives franchise as possible while gamifying it. Mm. So it's all the interpersonal relationships. It's all like, how do we make these people look as stupid and as crazy as possible? And that way we can get all of the audience to like attach themselves to a particular person. And that's how you get people in. Yeah. They should just be doing like a a sort of model Real Housewives competition where they get a bunch of people to do like Real Housewives for one season on an island, and then whoever was like the the realest housewife gets money. Like it's like housewife. Model UN, you know. The realest you housewife get for just have drinks. You get points if you orchestrate a fight between other islanders. Yeah, yeah. We we really love how Kimberly like called someone else a slur and then got like wine drunk and, and tried to fight a producer. We thought that was like true to the spirit. Yeah, you you actually housewives. you get rewarded for like destroying the show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's metafiction. Man, move over the rehearsal. There's a new reality competition deconstruction in town. The Mr. Beast thing also made me imagine, like, if you were scrolling through Netflix and there was one show that had, like, a Mr. Beast-style thumbnail and it was, like, gone wrong and circling something. (laughs) (laughs) That's People do that in reverse where there's, like, TikTok accounts that, like, they post a clip from, like, American Psycho and it's it's titled, like, Crazy Banker, like, goes, (laughs) like, haywire on friend as if it's just, like... Some real guys who yeah. happened to be filmed. Number like a fifteen. World Star video. Yeah. <laughs> That's so bizarre. That's what's popping. 
And now we're going to talk about Bobby Boris Pickett. Bobby Pickett was born in Somerville, Massachusetts in 1938 during the height of Universal Monster Movies. And his father managed a movie theater. So he would just, he was just age nine, sort of walking into the theater, just seeing whatever, and seeing all these classic monsters. Seeing Girlan Chaney, or Bela Lugosi, or Boris Karloff, who he started doing impressions of after he returned from uh, Korea in 1958. He, he just had this nightclub act that was just impressions of all the, like, monster movie actors. And then he moved out to Hollywood on the strength of his impressions. Uh, he quickly landed an agent, and then the agent died of a heart attack two weeks later. <laughs> and then... Woof. <laughs> Spooktacular! <laughs> <laughs> he ran into four guys who he knew from back home in Massachusetts who were starting a band called The Cordials. And Pickett, who had been in a band before, was like, let me join in. They They had this song. You know how sometimes songs, like especially those like... Those, like, vocal group songs would have, like, a monologue in the middle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, they had a song with a monologue in the middle, and Bobby was like, let me do it as Boris Karloff. (laughs) 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 They let him do it, and the voice got a big laugh (laughs) at every show, and, um... A fellow member of the band, Leonard Capizzi, convinced Pickett to capitalize on the impressions with, like, a Purple People Eater-style novelty song. He didn't want to do it. Uh, he was planning to leave the band to pursue his acting career. And then, like a year later, uh, nothing happened with his acting career, and so he linked up with Capizzi again. And they <laughs> they wrote Monster Mash. Oh no. And the music scene was changed forever. Yeah, you're picturing like the... Uh, the behind the music version of this, where it's like, yeah, yeah. imagine like, if somebody had taken a chance on Bobby Pickett and he had become a famous actor, and we never got the Monster Mash. What, yeah. what, what a tragedy! I'm just picturing like Questlove or like Bono being like, I mean, everything was Monster Mash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first heard the Monster Mash, I just I didn't know someone could sing like authentically <laughs> like that. I was like, that must be about me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it was really scary. (laughs) (laughs) Questlove pulling out, like, an original vinyl copy. Yes. Showing it to the producer, the ooh. The song was written by Pickett and Capizzi in a two-hour studio session in May 1962. Uh, It was a parody of, like, the big dance craze songs of the time, like The Twist and The Mashed Potato, which is where the name comes from. Their only connection in the music industry was this guy, Gary Paxton. They, like, brought him in the same studio, like, the next day to produce it. Most of the sound effects, like, the the chains dragging and the bubbles and all that were just, like, props in studio that they were just playing around with. And Pickett did his, his Karloff, obviously, for most of it. He does Bela Lugosi on the whatever happened to the Transylvania Twist part. Uh, it is sometimes erroneously claimed that the legendary session musician Leon Russell played on this song. It's not true. He played on the B-side. What? <laughs> oh. Oh. That's so, I literally thought that was the case. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah, it is, it's a shame. So I, there's, there's a lot more story about what comes after the Monster Mash gets big, but I figure, first let's talk about the song. Oh, wait, please. wait, what was the B-side of the Monster Mash? I was just way? about to ask, please. It was called Monster's Mash Party. <laughs> oh, I'm That's, familiar. I'm not. Okay, good. I Well, I'm sure we'll get into the full album of it. Oh, we will. Which oh, I good. did listen to, because I, I wanted to do a close listen, you mm-hmm. know, um, so I could properly put it in my, my Rate Your Music. Uh, but, but the song itself, I mean... I still, the the friction, the pulp friction is within me. I have no idea how I feel about it. Sure. I take a firm, positive stance just because of the camp and the fact that every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, we're monster mashing, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, n- I, like- I, I think there's basically nothing I dislike about it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Nothing? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I can't quite, like, fo- I, I, I really can't think of any opinion that would be like like I think I feel the same way a lot of other cynics probably feel about it, which is just it's it's the monster mash. It sucks. It's like annoying. <laughs> like, I mean, you take that back. Okay, the main thing that I was thinking about when I was listening to it today is like it's got to be like the least Halloweeny Halloween song. 
there is such a dissonance between like i mean like obviously the lyrics are like fun and silly this isn't supposed to like actually scare anyone i wasn't expecting like harsh noise right <laughs> but like th- just like they can't even put like a a little like minor chord or like a tritone in there for like one second even just like open with like that bach thing like like vamp anthem by playboy cardi is like more halloweeny than this but but i think in a way this is the most halloweeny of the Halloween songs because it is not trying on any level to be scary. The The word spooky is obviously being reexamined, but I think that vibe of like, it's not scary, it's just the elements of things that you yeah. associate with being scary put into this fun, like, do-it-yourself, you know, kids having a party context. I also, like... Yeah, this is a DIY. <laughs> it's a DIY record for sure. <laughs> I also, like, we have to acknowledge the fact that the song is about the actual monsters, right? The monsters are having a party, and maybe they're tired of being pigeonholed as scary Halloween beasts. Maybe they're just vibing. Okay, my my other question, right? So, there's a little, there's kind of a a universe collapse here, where, like, he's doing the the Boris Karloff voice, and Boris Karloff was the monster, Mm -hmm. right? But... The the narrator is closer to like Doctor Frankenstein, right? He's like working in the lab, <laughs> yeah, scared about. And part of me wonders: is this the inception point for like the Frankenstein Frankenstein's monster confusion, or would that have come earlier? I think it must have come earlier, but that is actually a really good point that I kind of didn't yeah. think about. <laughs> I didn't think about it until like like literally twenty minutes ago. I was like rereading the lyrics. And I was like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be Franken- or the monster. Mm-hmm. I was working in the lab late one night, when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster, from his slab, began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the, he monster, did the monster mash! <laughs> they do clarify. I will say, fantastic lyric, lyric writing right there. Because you hear that first line, he did the mash. You're like, oh, well, I, I suppose that's what I would expect a monster to do. And then they say, he did, did the, the monster, monster mash. mash. They clarify. Ooh. There's drama. It was yeah. a narrative arc in that yeah. one line alone. Yeah. Caught on in a flash. It, it, it starts with, you know, um, just... It, it, it kind of builds out the world in an interesting way, because the first image is just like, it's Dr. Frankenstein, it's a monster, the monster gets up and starts dancing. And then, yeah. the ghouls all came from their humble abodes to get a jolt from my electrodes. Now, the jolt from my electrodes is kind of interesting, right? This, this verse... Because they couldn't sing about poppers back then. Sure. I was going to say, this <laughs> verse is the basis of my belief that this is about a monster orgy. Because, listen, immediately to the master bedroom, the vampires are feasting, they don't say on what, each other. Um, okay. <laughs> and then cool. all of the ghouls come from their houses, they're like, sex party over at Dr. Frank's, um, mm-hmm. to get a jolt from my electrodes. They're getting freaky. They're getting freaky in the lab, excuse me, lab is a euphemism, and the bedroom. Sure. There you sure. go. There's also an interpretation that they're going from the lab to the bedroom, and that the bedroom is where the party's happening. Oh, there definitely yeah. is that implication. And the lab is in a castle? I think the bedroom is in the castle, too. Yeah, but the lab's in the castle east. Is the castle east a different castle, or the east of the castle? I think I think it's a different wing. I see. And I'm not saying that the lab is a euphemism for the bedroom. I'm saying that, like, in the same way that one might call a room in their home a dungeon. This guy mm-hmm. is calling this room a oh. lab. Sure, but he does have a monster yeah. in there. Yeah, and all of the monsters are fucking. Having a monster in there doesn't preclude it from, <laughs> from being a sex room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. You would think that the work-life balance would be off, though, if you're fucking in your... That's laboratory. Fair. Sure, that's fair. Sure. That's why that's why as soon as the monster starts mashing, he's like, let's take this to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sees he sees the monster get a little handsy. He's like, whoa, OSHA violation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you can't have, Workplace you can't have fluid contact in here. Yeah, exactly. So do, do the vampires just hang out in <laughs> his house? <laughs> They're waiting in his bedroom. Yeah, There's he just roommates. lives. He's like their he's their tenant. He like he, he like has a <laughs> Oh no, is he is 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 Bobby Boris picking a landlord? Is he is he cancelled? <laughs> I think and, uh, maybe maybe the vampires are landlords, I don't know. 
Oh, yeah. vampire well, landlords are vampires. The landlords are vampires, right? Let's yeah, yeah. let's go through the well, the next first sort of takes us through uh, the rogues gallery here. The zombies were having fun. The parties had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. I <laughs> Dracula and his son is sort of my favorite. I like how the music drops out at that line, and he's just like Dracula and his son. Like it was a banger, like a tribe called <laughs> Quest song, and they got like a really good line. Yeah, and then, yeah. I guess I guess Son of Dracula was a movie that um, that Bobby probably would have watched when he was a kid, but it, it's sort of. It's another thing that sort of ties this directly into the mythos of, like, the universal monsters, specifically. Because <laughs> Dracula does not, like, historically have a son. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was a Son of Dracula movie. I'm yeah. looking at the Wikipedia page for it right now, because I'm so curious. Well, I've, I've got the genius lyrics up, by the way. Which, uh, if, I may, if I may point out to the mm-hmm. listeners, or to us here... Half of this song, unannotated on Genius. And I think we're getting at a lot of real truths here. Yeah, yeah. So someone might need to take up the mantle. Yeah. Get on there. Let them know the truth. Let them know the truth about the Monster Mash. (laughs) Spread the word to the people. So uh, Dracula and his son are going to the orgy. And I have to imagine for the vampires, it's pretty cool that Dracula's there. Absolutely. They're like, oh my god, he's here. Yeah. He becomes a central figure in the song, also. But this is, yeah, look, well, there's there's more before that, but we can sort of, like, bounce around here. Because when you get into more Dracula stuff, it's like, out from his coffin, Drac's voice did ring, so, like, he came in a coffin, that's whatever. Um, but, but, but he was, like, why would he be in his coffin? I guess if it's in the bedroom, then, then it kind of makes sense that he'd be in his coffin. Oh. Like, taking the bed yeah. with him. But they're just eating in the bedroom. All these vampires are like depressed as shit. Yeah, they got, they got yeah. cups like stacked up on their desk. Mm-hmm. Oh no, poor vampires. Yeah, and Dracula is a a bit of an old head. He wants to know what happened to the Transylvania Twist. Yeah, <laughs> I like that reading that he's an old head. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick. I'm sick of all these monsters mumbling these days. Yeah, like auto tune. Yeah. My favorite thing though is that. He's literally, like, is he not singing for the band that is playing the Monster Mash right now? Like, he's literally in the middle of singing the song that goes with the Monster Mash. And he's like, okay, but why aren't we doing the Transylvania Twist? Mm. Well, you gotta get your foot in the door, you know? You gotta you gotta be the change from the inside. Yeah, Fair it's enough, like... use his platform while he has it. It's like the YouTubers yeah. who, like, you know, want to do something original, but they're like, I kind of have to do the clickbait thing. It's like... You know, Dracula yeah. wishes he could be making sketches right now, but he's got to do, like, uh, uh-huh. uh, Trisha Paytas' new drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a, there was another verse that was cut where Dracula's like, I'm working on a video essay about, you know, the blob and how it's, like, queer representation. Mm-hmm. And they does didn't he, let him do that. Does he say whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? He does. He does. It's my tra- So So he made the Transylvania twist, and... I guess the monster made the monster mesh? Or is it just like a new song and he's like, he used to be hot and now he's at, at like some guy's party? <laughs> I think the monster mesh is simply just catching on. Like mm. it's, it's, it's kind of going through their bones. I, I, has it been, has it been like written before the song is, is record? Like it's hard to tell, you know? Yeah. Well, is this like a well? Because so they identify the dance the monster starts to do as the monster mash immediately, but then it also says it caught on in a flash, which does imply mm-hmm. that the monster is the first person to do it. Mm. It's also a crazy like just thing to put in your song, like like you just know that it's gonna be good, right? Because if this sold like four copies, then the critics would mock that it caught on in a flash, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's like. Yeah. More like a flash of the pan. Hey, there you go. It's like if someone like Drake drops an album, he's like, this one's going platinum, like in the lyrics, and then it just does. Yeah. Like, it's a hard flex, you like, know? View's yeah. already a classic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he does say, like, uh, he was surprised that his monster started doing the monster mash, but he did seemingly recognize it as the monster mash. <laughs> as so the maybe, monster mash. Maybe the dance was invented before the song. Like, he'd come up with the dance. Maybe the monster mash was lame, and this party made it cool. Oh. oh. 
Yeah, it's 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 coming back. Like it used to be nerdy, but now it's it's sort of like monster sleaze. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankenstein's monster being the one who starts it as like an undead being. Mm. Like, yeah, there's symbolism. There's oh, metaphors. he's bringing it back from the dead. Yeah, exactly. That's right. He's gonna take you back to the past. Now, from Ooh. the sex angle. <laughs> what is the Transylvania twist? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great that's, question. <laughs> um, that's when you got uh, two trans chicks that look like Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. The Transylvania twist is T for T doggy style. Okay. No, okay. It's, it's, it's when you get like a, a hand job from a pale goth girl who listens to Bauhaus. That's mm. the Transylvania twist. Mm. That's correct. <laughs> and Dracula invented correct. it. Dracula loves <laughs> yeah. to... Dracula invented getting hand jobs from goth girls. <laughs> he kind of did, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Someone ever got like a... This was back when kids used to drive their cars up to Makeout Point, right? Uh-huh. I'm sure someone got their, like, a, a terrible, dry, like, teenager hand job. <laughs> Monster, Monster Mash. Monster Mash. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you think they were wearing Halloween costumes? Yeah. I don't want to imagine too much, but it's it's likely, yes. Yeah, they were probably... And I don't know what co- Halloween costumes were like in, like, the 60s. Oh, they were very racist, I'm sure. True, true. Uh-huh. Igor was playing the chains... Uh, the the scene was rocking, by the way. All were digging the sounds. And, uh, the coffin bangers, the coffin bangers, now hold on. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker 5. And then, out from his coffin, Drac's voice did ring. I think that means Dracula and maybe his son were part of the Crypt Kicker 5. I'm reading it as... Dracula's in the bedroom. The vampires who are like underlings of Dracula are are getting up to this mash. All this noise is happening, and then it wakes Dracula from his coffin, and he's like, "Hey, why aren't you Transylvania twisting?" Mm. You know? The coffin bangers like open Dracula's door. They're like, "Can we bang in here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely a reading of this where Dracula is there, and the Crypt Kicker Five are not there yet. Mm. And everybody's monster mashing, and Dracula's like, what the fuck, guys? Why aren't we doing my Transylvania twist? And then in response yeah. to Drac's protests, then the Crypt Kicker 5 are like, join us, come be a part of our band, and that's the, their reconciliation tactic. Sure. I like that reading, because it means that if this was made in like the MTV era, there would be... Totally in one of the sequel songs, or in this song, like, a video where Dra- they're rocking out in the basement and Dracula comes down. He's like, what's all this noise? What's all this rock and roll crap? Mm-hmm. You know, shouldn't shouldn't you be um going to monster school or something? And they're like, <laughs> hey, guess what, old man? It's called the Monster Mash, you know? Yeah. I get you, That's, yeah. It's, it's very dad from Michael Jackson black and white video. Sure. Yes. There are there there are points they're giving us that's like the coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group the kick kick trip kicker five out from his coffin Drax's voice did ring and then in the next verse Drax's a part of the band but it does say now everything's cool so so there is I think the idea there yeah. that like they have to give Dracula something uh to to satisfy him yeah or he's he's listening and learning you know true he's listening he, he had outdated views before but he. he He's done his research and he, he understands that this is what this is what the world is now. It's yeah, he started one of those uh, old rocker listens to hip hop uh, YouTube channels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're getting Dracula into one hundred gex. But in the last verse, the Doctor Frankenstein or Bobby P- Boris Pickett says, "My monster mash is the hit of the land." Wow! <laughs> Again, flex. Someone needs to put, like, a Dilla siren over that part of the song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but we do have to talk about the fact that he's fully just stolen credit for the monster mash from his monster. Like, I get that he made the monster, but the monster made the mash. Well, or did he? (laughs) Or he didn't. Because it's kind of like a... um... It's like a child star thing, almost. Sure. Like like how, like, like, Jeanette McCurdy, like, her mom got all the money. Right. Like, yeah. he's going to get all the cash from the Monster Mash. Mm. But also, maybe the reason Dr. Frankenstein recognized the Monster Mash is because it lived in his head, 
and through the act of creation, he imbued his monster with the essence of the monster mash. Maybe the, like, arc of this whole song is that the doctor wrote the monster mash and it wasn't hitting, it wasn't catching on, and then this is, like... One, one, his, his monster surprised him by doing the monster mash and bringing all, all, all his friends <laughs> over to join in. And then he's like, finally, my monster mash is being recognized because of, because of my beautiful monster. Yeah, is this a heartwarming Father's Day story? Mm-hmm. It's a perfect music video trope. It's like, it's like in that Stardust video where the kid builds the airplane and then all, like, it's like a paper airplane and then Daft Punk shows up on, like, a life-size airplane. Yeah. It's like, there's so many little parts of this song that I feel like suggest cliches and, like, further pop songwriting. And definitely one, like, oh, this, this thing in my imagination is finally becoming real. Like, that's very yeah. um, novelty song. Ten million fireflies, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, oh my god, fireflies. But 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 this last part, too, I think fits into that, too. For you, the living, this mash was meant, too. When you get to my door, tell them Boris sent you, which implies an ongoing mash. And that, I think, also leads into the orgy idea, because, like, you're not just doing the mashed potato all night, you know? <laughs> No, yeah. it is a mash. It is an ongoing mash. Well, f- well first of all, they're not doing mashed. the mashed potato. They're doing the monster mash. Right. You know? Sure. Let's let's not make false equivalences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe the monster mash was a really complicated dance, and it does take all night to do. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a meditative, like, eight-hour interpretive piece. Yeah. Yes. It was originally choreographed to like a, a fortet song. Yeah, it was then... like it was like one of those Nine Inch Nails albums, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what Dracula was singing along to. Yeah, but if this is an orgy and it's like it's the hit of the land, you know, Dracula wasn't feeling it, and then he joined in, and you can you can come over here, just say the password, and we'll we'll let you join the fun. Like I get I get that vibe for sure, and then. I'm sorry, if we're talking about it in the context of being an orgy song, we have to address the very end. Mm-hmm. What is this mash good business? Sure. Igor, you impetuous young boy, mash good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Like, come on now. We know what's well, happening here. I, I know I know that, you know, to, to break character for a moment, this this orgy reading, maybe to some, is is shits and giggles, but like in all these old rock songs, didn't dancing always just mean sex? Yeah. Like, even if it was about dancing, the the idea was that you only write a song about dancing because dancing will make people have sex. And that's why old people are scared of rock and roll. Yeah. And you know what's really, so like, what's really worth wow. mentioning, I think, is that every character mentioned in this song is a man. Oh. Yes! This is what I am talking about. Gay orgies for everyone on Halloween. That it would it would almost be more subversive to imply the existence of of girl universal monsters unless there were and I forgot there was about like them. Bride of Frankenstein well no because they're always wives yeah that's what I'm saying the Bride of Frankenstein there are like oh. but we have the son of Dracula so there definitely was a space for that yeah they're pulling deep cuts already <laughs> I like to imagine the label fighting with with Boris or Bobby Boris Pickett being mm-hmm. like you have to put the Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> yeah like, no. It needs to be. It needs to be a homosocial monster mash. It's it's not gay though. It's like an ancient Greek kind of thing. It's power and bonding. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Boris through um, dance. Yeah, certainly not gay, but they're bonding through dance. Yes, as we all. I would argue that the time. undead don't have their gender roles are different than ours. I think that's sort of a classic. Well, I guess Igor is a boy. There, that that, but there is sort of a classic thing with um. I mean, the gay subtext in Dracula is, you know, a whole separate subject, but, like, the, you, you know, obviously the monster always represents, like, fear of the other, and I think often, like, it's very easy to read a gay subtext onto, like, even those classic Universal movies, like, like a lot of the original texts. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I You know, I've never seen a Universal monster movie, and I think the only depiction of that classic Frankenstein I have is in the movie Spirit of the Beehive. Hmm. So I might I might be the wrong person to approach this, because when I think of Frankenstein, I think of, like, an artsy uh, foreign film about the joy of cinema. 
Sure. Although I guess this is about the joy of dancing. True. And it is a love letter to cinema in the same way, kind of. It kind of is a love letter to cinema because it's like doing a Boris Karloff impression and like, you know. It's referencing all these monsters. Son of Dracula, this was like yeah. Ready Player One. It was in its era, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, like imagine the first like the little nerdy monster kid monster lover kid and in the, in the, it's the 50s right yeah. so people are just calling you all sorts of names for like in these monster movies and you're listening to this and it's like the smash bros reveal trailer where you're like <gasps> they brought in dracula dude <laughs> <laughs> dude this. i love that <laughs> I would I would have loved to see like like Etika reacting to the monster smash <laughs> in the 1950s, God. just <laughs> clipping the microphone. <laughs> they, they mentioned the Transylvania twist, dude. <laughs> Let's uh, take a take a brief detour to talk about the aftermath of this song. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Me too. So after four labels passed on, on Monster Mash, <laughs> four four labels, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got okay. on a label before Bor- Boris Pickett did. I'm, I'm flexing that. I'm putting that in here. That's right. Uh, Gary Paxton decided to just release it himself. Um, it was released under the name Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers, and it became number one on the Billboard chart the week before and the week of Halloween in 1962. Um, it was initially banned by the BBC for being, quote, too morbid. <laughs> In what world? <laughs> they hadn't invented scary stuff yet. <laughs> this was before, like, The Exorcist and The Shining and, like, the actually scary horror movies. Yeah, when, when Night of the Hunter came. But, like, for real, mm-hmm. what part of this song directly references death other than the word graveyard? True. Well, it's referencing like, orgies, as we've been arguing. Which are morbid. <laughs> but that's Maybe. not morbid. Orgies are a celebration of life. True. Well, corpse banger, or what is it? The the coffin bangers. The crypt that kickers not just mean? and the coffin banger. The coffin bangers, not just mean yeah. Corpse fucker, that, right? that is pretty pretty black and white. Coffin sure. banger means corpse fucker. <laughs> it's morbid. I'll give them that. Maybe I was wrong to say it wasn't Halloweeny enough. Yeah, <laughs> it got banned. I mean, that definitely gives it credit. Yeah. Yeah. Now that it's been banned, we're all like, oh shit, this song is cool. <laughs> well, they banned it because it was speaking truth to power. That's right. So they didn't like exactly. about it. Speaking truth to power about corpse fucking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they were trying to silence corpse fucking at the time. This this opened the door for, of for coffin bangers to, <laughs> to to have their voices heard. Um this just sort of speaks to and we talk about it once in a while. This just sort of speaks to how fucked up like the music industry was at this time. Um a copycat artist named John Zacherly quickly pushed out an album called Monster Mash before <laughs> Bobby Pickett could get his out. Oh my god. The so so that's why Bobby Pickett's album is called The Original Monster Mash. Uh it did eventually outsell the, the John Zacherly album. But I think you see that all the time in the 60s like, you know, any new trend is just like, oh, let's just push something, let's just get out ahead of them. We have the Beatles series on this podcast, and we're always talking about how, like... Oh, yeah, the Liverpools and stuff. Yeah, and there were, like, American labels who had the rights to some of the old Beatles stuff before they blew up, and, like, United Artists produced the movie, and they were like, this is a way for us to put out a Beatles album. Like, there's all kinds of things like that. They rush out a follow-up single, Monster's Holiday, in time for the Christmas season. Of course. The original Nightmare Before Christmas. That's right, the Monster. Yeah. Oh, Christmas it connects crossover. to the last episode. It does. There yeah, look at this for all, for all the the Pulp Friction like lore heads out there. That's right. Um, and then they also did Blood Bank Blues. Oh yeah, Monsters Holiday reached number thirty. Blood Bank Blues did not chart. Uh, but in 1974, Buck Owens released a country cover of Monsters Holiday, which reached number six on the country charts. <laughs> What? <laughs> I I I like somewhat researched before this. That is shocking to me. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, um that was definitely like the era of country where like <laughs> Monsters Holiday could be a country. Hit. <laughs> oh god. There's so many bad novelty country songs. Yeah. Yeah. From, like, that era especially. You go to any, like, thrift store, and half of the bins are just, like, you know, some some guy dressed up like Orville Peck, and he's yeah. singing about, like, 
uh, you know truck it in uh whatever movie was popular <laughs> yeah in the 60s smoky and the band i'm a rural mod or a rocker or whatever like mm-hmm. that's like the gimmick <laughs> yeah oh. next came the album the original monster mash uh which featured songs like rabian the fiend age idol and sinister stomp uh they they really just took the gimmick and ran with it didn't they they were like i it, i it, love this album broke you love the album i i haven't listened to it in full i oh my gosh i really really recommend it first of all every song is titled like it's like a a mini game collection for the wii like you have monster motion <laughs> monster mash party monsters holiday and like half of the album is interlude tracks but it also functions as like a concept album where like every song is like a direct sequel to the next. Like I was going to say it has the so I haven't looked into the album until now but it has the fucking Transylvania twist on it. Yeah, the Transylvania twist exists in universe. Dracula and his son. Yeah, it's definitely because you were criticizing the monster mesh. Now they're like yeah. we have to nerf Rocky. It's cuz right, Rocky back was on. being too morbid. Oh, here we go. I was being too morbid. The BBC silenced me. (laughs) Um, You were talking too much about ghouls. Ghouls, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the Transylvania twist is like an instrumental track. It's kind of (laughs) crazy. It's an instrumental, but they're like talking over it a little bit. Also, okay, if we're continuing with the sex metaphor, repeatedly throughout the album, Boris calls Dracula a bloodsucker in like a very nasty way hmm. as if it's like an insult in the monster world and it makes me think like is is he subbing in for cocksucker like the the cadence wow. with which he said like there's like multiple songs where like dracula shows up and they're all really upset about it which is interesting because i thought he was part of the band now and like boros will be yeah. like oh like shut up you bloodsucker like <laughs> that is rich it's such a good album also Claire, I just have to thank you for giving me the assist on my orgy theory. You're really taking it to the next level with the evidence and the analysis. Like, Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the full record, that, that subtext is is definitely, you know, reiterated on. They go to a lot of parties. <laughs> it kind of seems like all these monsters do is party. It doesn't really seem yeah. like they, they get up to scare. Oh, no, I think, okay, I'm pretty sure on the song... It might be on Monster Mash Party. I don't remember which one, but there is one where they mention going out to like eat people. Like, mm. so it does get a little. Wow, moldy. the BBC is is warranted there. By the way, some of these songs on Genius are missing lyrics. So again, I employ the listeners. Yeah, we need we need your help now more than ever. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. They they have this real party all the time kind of lifestyle. It's sort of. Um, and sort of injury, yeah. They they they're definitely like the hit, and there's something too like in the monster mash, the monsters who are sort of these like you know, I mean, in the '60s, these are you know figures from 20, 30 years ago who are representing like the hip kids that are fucking and trying all these new dances and going to parties. Like that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Fallout Boy is going to release a version with monsters from the 90s, actually. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be like, Freddy Krueger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, you come to, it is, yeah, it is kind of interesting, though. I guess, like, these weren't, like, they weren't cool at the time. Like, the only reason the song works as a joke is because they're, like, kind of lame, right? Yeah. People are realizing that they're cheesy. People yeah. loved that in the 60s, and I think now we look back at it like, oh, they were serious about it. It's like the original Star Trek or the Adam West Batman, where people are like, I can't believe people took it seriously. And it's like, they didn't. They just liked yeah. campy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's not the point. So Monster Mash, big song. Again, people like how like campy it is. Uh, it had a lot of haters, too. Um, Dick Clark was reluctant about having uh, Bobby Pickett do it on his show, and Elvis Presley called it, quote, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Coming from Which, Elvis. Yeah, you I know mean, what? At least yeah. the person who sang it wrote it, Elvis. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get him! <laughs> Call back to my last episode. Call back to Nico's last episode, yeah, which was Elvis. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could, de- like... <laughs> I don't think the Monster Mash is dumber than, like, 60-plus percent of the things Elvis ever did. 
Yeah. <laughs> like you can watch any watch any Elvis movie and and tell me it's like above the monster mash. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think Boris Pickett was eating peanut butter banana sandwiches. That's yeah, child, don't like, come behavior. for the peanut butter banana sandwich. Do not come for the peanut Yeah, you know what else? Uh, he never got drafted. Oh, Bomb ooh, sound effect. Ooh. He did. Ooh. He went to Korea. He did get drafted, actually. Whoa, shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck>. Owned. That's <laughs> right, that one. Um, Bobby Pickett, I think, like, in at concerts in, like, the 80s and 90s would be like, Elvis once called him, called this song the dumbest thing he's ever heard. And, like, here I am still, still standing. <laughs> I, w- I would actually really like it if an Elvis tier celebrity called my music the dumbest thing he'd ever heard. I do yeah, think he I'd would like like a badge of honor. He yeah. would like dunk on Elvis for being dead. <laughs> that's great. I was hoping that's what you Which meant is- when you said he would mention him on stage. Yeah. Uh, I need like the the DJ Academics video on their beef Elvis versus <laughs> Boris Pickett. You know. Yeah, they want an everyday struggle. Um... <laughs> More singles followed after that. More of the same gimmick they did with the Werewolf Watusi and the Monster Swim. They didn't do very well. Monster Swim. The Monster Swim, yeah. <laughs> that that feels like it's got to be like a Beach Boysy kind of thing. Mike Love <laughs> was was involved yeah. in that. <laughs> <laughs> he would have. Bobby Pickett did have another charting single, Graduation Day, which hit number 80 in 1963. A song about graduation, a very straightforward and kind of sappy one. Bobby Pickett was like, yeah, I regret making that. I should have just done more monster shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a book on Bobby Pickett that I I couldn't get for this, but I do kind of want to read. Um, I Apparently, he dated Cloris Leachman at some point while he was big. Who is that? Yeah. Cloris Leachman. Yeah, she- now, Cloris Leachman was uh, was on, like, Mary Tyler Moore, and then she got her own spinoff. Um, she oh. was on, like, The Facts of Life. She was, like, a long-running, like, uh, acting talent. She was, like, from the 50s to, the to like, three years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, props to you, Boris. You found a keeper. Yeah. She was a in Young keeper. Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> so good oh she's in young frankenstein that's cute she's in young frankenstein yeah surely this guy's gotta have some like movie cameos and stuff like oh i'll 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 get into that get to that yeah worry not yeah uh bobby pickett continued to like write and perform occasionally uh in the late 60s into the 70s he was kind he kind of like he he was out of the industry when monster mash started to be like oh this is gonna come back every year it like re-entered the charts in 1970 and then in 1973 oddly enough it was in the summer both of those times <laughs> uh sound of the summer but uh following this pickett would occasionally return to music in 1975 he wrote a star trek parody called star Trek that was used frequently on the dr demento show uh i think dr demento just like got into the the bit of like playing bobby pickett's new parody songs um <laughs> In the 80s, a lot of novelty acts were hopping on the fresh sound of hip-hop, you know, rapping Rodney and, and uh, oh, many yeah. others. Uh, in 1985, a 47-year-old Bobby Pickett hopped on the trend with a follow-up to Monster Mash titled Monster Rap. Ooh. The, sh- the streets have been real quiet ever since. The streets <laughs> <Yeah>. of Transylvania. <laughs> yeah. The, the premise of the song is, like, he, he has to, like, teach his monster how to speak. And he uses rapping as a way to get him to to speak. This, um, this is like a parappa mini game. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna teach you how to speak with rap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what an era it was. He did another like Monster Mash sequel song of the '90s. It's alive, and again, it's like clearly he he did this song that like wasn't Monster Mash, and he was like, I hated that, and then he just kept making Monster Mash for the rest of his life. He's um, good at it. Why should he stop? Yeah, in the 2000s, he made a new version of the song called Climate Mash in protest of the U.S. government's inaction on climate change. Boom! Wow. Woke king. <laughs> we love to Boris see it. Pickett goes woke. <laughs> <laughs> they did the pronoun mesh. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's Seneca's follow-up video. Um, that era of, of Boris's career starts really in 1989 when he gets a new manager, uh, Stuart Hirsch, 
who realizes that Bobby Pickett doesn't own the masters to Monster Mash. So he had him record a copy of the song, Bobby's version. Bobby's version, yeah. Bobby's version. They used that to undercut Universal so that like they could like make the song affordable to independent uh production houses. Um Slay. That, Absolutely. Yeah. Is awesome. <laughs> it's really yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. Stuart Hirsch had a background in comedy, loved uh novelty songs. Um he had one of his own called Disco Toilet in 1979. <laughs> <laughs> a classic, no doubt. In terms of uh film appearances, Bobby Pickett had a few. Uh, wrote some musicals. He was like a DJ. He was on some episodes of Petticoat Junction. He was in some of the like a beach movie in 67. He was in a biker movie in 71. Some horror stuff, some sci-fi stuff, a lot of like, you know, just, just cameos in these like B movies. Yeah. And then in 1995, a movie musical based on Monster Mash was produced titled Monster Mash the Movie. Ooh. That's incredible. When you told me that we're doing an episode on the Monster Mash, I was like, surely there has to be a film. We can't just be spending like an hour-ish talking about the song, the Monster Mash. But no, it's the song. But also there is a movie. There is a movie that I did watch um, and we'll talk about. (laughs) It was written and directed by Joel Cohen and that's C-O-H-E-N and Alec Sokolov. Oh, I was like, what? (laughs) The two I, of them, they, they, they worked on Toy Story, and they went on to do Cheaper by the Dozen and Garfield the Movie. Oh. Wow, so, like, arguably is. better than the Coen brothers. The, yeah, there's the famous story that Bill Murray agreed to do the Garfield movie because he thought it was the other Joel Coen. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, here's what Monster Mash the Movie is about, and stop me if you've heard this one before. A young couple are on their way home from a Halloween party in the rain when they face oh uh, my car God. trouble. They approach the old Frankenstein mansion, asking to use Dr. Frankenstein's phone. In the mansion, they meet a host of strange characters, inspired by the Universal movie monsters, all of whom are gathered for a party and have their own designs for the couple. That is... Oh my god, that's infuriating. (laughs) Wait, but wait. This movie is based on a musical that Bobby Pickett wrote called I'm Sorry the Bridge is Out, You'll Have to Spend the Night. That he put out in 1967, six years before the Rocky Horror Show. Oh my god! (laughs) I was for sure that it was like a straight person aping like Rocky Horror. They're like, this works, let's get rid of the gay stuff. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Oh my god, wow. That's insane. Did the Rocky Horror Picture Show copy Bobby Pickett? I think maybe. Well, you do it the other way. It's subversive. If you do it yeah. that it's, it's it's you're queering Bobby Pickett. You know? Okay. Well, we're literally talking about how this was an all gay orgy. So yeah, already queer enough. Thank you. <laughs> In the movie, uh, Bobby Pickett reprises his role as Doctor Frankenstein. Um, other people involved. Candace Cameron is uh, one of the leads. Um, an Elvis impersonator plays the mummy. Uh, Adam Shankman plays the Wolfman. He went on to direct the Hairspray musical. And Mink Stoll plays his mother. <laughs> Shout out. Awesome. This is pretty gay. There you go. Yeah. So I, I did watch the movie. And uh, it's very silly. It's very campy. It, it, it feels like, you know, a, a DVD ripoff of, of Rocky Horror in an amazing way. But I think it is... <laughs> So insane <laughs> that Bobby Pickett's version of this like predates Rocky Horror. <laughs> it's completely fucking yeah, insane. Yeah, it's, it's a real Hydrox cookie situation, you know. Yeah, like I can't find any like mention of it by Richard O'Brien. I like, like I, I don't see anything that's like. I need it to read this fucking bu- built play. off of this. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's wild. Is there um, like a Patreon for this show? Because I would love to be on the table read of the, the <laughs> bridge play. We should do that. We'll um. I it's it's like through Substack, so I can do like paid stuff. We could definitely do yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, with the movie, they um, the plot is the same as the play, but they added a bunch of like then modern pop culture references. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a great addition. There's like there's like references to like Madonna and stuff. Um, oh, that rocks! Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. 
Is the song in the movie? The song is in the movie. The song uh, yeah, thank God. plays at a pretty pivotal moment. Yeah, it plays at like the dinner scene. I I, I mean, the, there's the same dinner scene from Rocky Horror, but but the the song that no. plays is Monster Mash. Yeah. Do they do the same joke with the food being like a dead guy? Uh, I don't think so. I'm assuming like Eddie is not a character in it. Like it's not that close. But no, I feel like no. um, a, a, a that could have gotten away with like them eating dead people. I think Maybe I think that was the too the Elvis impersonator mummy is like the equivalent of Eddie, I think. Oh, so they do have an Eddie. There you go. Do y'all want me to read the synopsis of the play that it's based on? I found sure. it. Okay, cool. Sure. Let's do it. John David Wellgood and Mary Helen Merriman, love those last names, are both painfully naive, find themselves stranded near a medieval castle on the outskirts of Steubenville, Ohio. They ask to use the phone to call the auto club, but then the bridge washes out and they're stuck for the night. Soon they meet Dr. Victor Frankenstein, Igor, the monster, Count Dracula and his wife Natasha, Renfield, assorted female vampires, the wolfman and his mother Mom Talbot, the mummy and his factotum Dr. Abdul Nasser, and of course, assorted villagers. Um, there's a bunch of other shit, but it's like, it's literally a play where they, like, they go and they meet all of the monsters at... A medieval castle in Ohio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Ohio castle. <laughs> Wolfman, I think, is my favorite character in the Monster Mash franchise because yeah. he has his own song on the album and it features the sudden appearance of like the most disgusting mouth noise that I've ever heard. <laughs> and and I guess they didn't really know what like compressors were back then because Bobby just leans right into the mic and it is way louder than the rest of the mix. <laughs> yeah, I was actually jump scared. So, Monster Mash. <laughs> this is the the history is complete. The history is complete. The monster has been For mashed. Now. We've we've mashed the monster. Uh, what what have we what have we learned? <laughs> okay, I changed my opinion. Okay, I I was being a zoomer about it at first. I was thinking, you know, this is an annoying novelty song. I would only listen to it during Halloween. But you know what? Some songs you only listen to during Halloween, right? And yeah, I mean, I I still think that like the instrumental could stand to be a little more interesting. But also, like, it's yeah. the monster dun, mash. Dun, dun, I'm not gonna like. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not gonna AVG end this. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna take us back to the past. Yeah. To play with some monsters that do suck ass if it's an orgy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, the other thing we learned, like, even more than when I came here, I believe that this is about an orgy now. The fact that there are orgy undertones through the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I at least think that it's supposed to suggest uh, teenagers being being a little frisky. Ooh. You know, these, yeah, these yeah. no good kids getting up to things. If not literally an orgy. Yeah, exactly. Even if it isn't, it is. I think there's something to, like, the old novelty songs that had, like, I think the pretty strong backlash in, like, the late 70s and the 80s that sort of tied to, like, the disco backlash because it was all, the, again, things like Disco Toilet that, that you know, people got upset with. But I think you look back at it now and it's like, these were people who were having fun, who, you know, were, like... Uh, who really cared about what they did and who clearly, like, I mean, we see from, like, what Stuart Hirsch did for Bobby Pickett, like, you know, they they cared about the art. It wasn't just about the money. And I think a lot of these, like, primordial things that we talk about influencing a lot of things that came after on the show, like Mad Magazine, for instance, are really from that same culture as, like, the the parody songs that got, that, that became totally out in like the late seventies and the early eighties. And I think there's there's a lot more merit there that we don't necessarily give them credit for. Yeah. And you know, I guess like the reason why I've been kind of annoyed by this song is that I've only ever been listening to it when it's like on the radio at like Walmart or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like that, like it's it's uniquely annoying having to hear it in the same way you have to hear like Christmas music. But like sitting sure. down and, and actually talking about it, like it's, you know, like, again, I still I still maintain musically it's not that interesting, but, like, none of the novelty songs from the 50s are. It's, the lyrics are funny, and also, I don't think anyone could have this long a conversation about the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater, okay? This has subtext. This yeah. has complexity. It has are multidimensional. Dracula has an arc. 
True. Like, Dracula's not the only one with an arc. The the narrator has an arc, the monster has an arc, and there's <laughs> there's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And again, when you get to the full album, it's like, you there's know, there's a whole world. Yeah, it's it's like Rush or something. Like it feels like prog rock. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of an opera. Actually, yeah, the Who uh, stole the idea for for Quadrophenia and Tommy yeah. from Boris Pickett. Frankly, frankly, there are a lot of um like much more well-respected songs from this early 60s era that have much less to talk about than Monster Mash does. Yeah, you couldn't do an hour on like like I can't help falling in love with you or whatever. Yeah, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Move over Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah, roll over Beethoven. Um I also love that it's like this dude spent so much of his career talking about how much he loves Universal Monsters, which is like that's yeah. adorable. <laughs> that's just so sweet. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I I sort of go back to the early part of his career where he was just doing impressions of them as like a nightclub act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's kind of wild. His his passion first was running bits and like doing mm-hmm. like like that's like if I made a career out of like the Fred Schneider impression I used to do to annoy my friends. <laughs> yeah. Like, if if you did like a it's hard to do a like a B52's parody song though. You can't really it's do getting a little too meta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just making all their songs about really serious stuff. Yeah, like war. Yeah. <laughs> like that one because Yeah, with the ser- the normal L. Yeah, yeah the normal L. <laughs> What what would we change about the Monster Mash if we could? Well, first of all, I, I stand by Dilla Siren. I think you got to add more sound effects in general. Yeah, yeah. Right? You need like you need like West Side Gun doing ad libs and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. want the I want like the Turn it into a um, track. perfect like after every line. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of like a do you know keep with that Halloween theme. We get like like a cemetery feature on there. It's like D- uh-huh. DJ Haunted Mound. <laughs> Yeah, Boris um, Pickett bringing you another monster mash. <laughs> I'm still stuck on. We have a Christmas version. We have obviously the original Halloween version. Where's the Valentine's Day version? Yeah, uh, make it explicit. The, um, Talk about the romance of the monster mash. Yeah, let's get one for every town in the Nightmare Before Christmas again. Bringing it back. Yeah, yeah the St. Patrick's Day one. The um, yeah. The Thanksgiving one. The O-Monster Mash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aside from the entire career of, like, the Dropkick Murphys, are there St. Patrick's Day songs? I feel like when that rolls around, I just listen to, like, Celtic punk. Yeah. It's kind of untapped. Yeah. But I think well, I think there's a lot of holidays that don't have as much of an artistic sensibility as, like, the two or three biggest ones. Yeah. Halloween and Christmas are, are more inspiring inherently yeah, you, you don't really have like a like we were talking about thanksgiving town on last week's episode and it's like what would you what, what would, would like the do? thanksgiving like yeah <laughs> aesthetic be they just like eat turkey yeah well if if there's no market left there i do think that there's like a lucrative business opportunity in the monster mash still left i know we talked about how great it was that it was like done purely for the love of of comedy and camp but i don't really believe in all that um sure in my idea right so we got kids today. They're also mm-hmm. nerdy about horror movies, right? But true, it's a different kind of thing. The kids today they love A twenty four, okay, neon pictures, um, elevated uh, uh, siren head stuff on YouTube, puppet combo. That's what these kids are into, and we need a monster mash for the modern day that mm. you know has um instead of Frankenstein or Dracula, we've got it updated. It's about the guys from the lighthouse. It's um, about Jeff the, the Killer. From... Nothing. Well, from yeah, the we could, the five Creepypasta is guys. one direction to go. Yeah. yeah. It's it's about, it's about you know, more metaphorical horror things. Gender dysphoria. Oh, sure, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Babadook. Um, oh, shit, it's my fear of yeah. abandonment at the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shen Comics will be producing the Monster Mash 2 that we're working <laughs> on. <laughs> Why haven't we gotten, I don't know, the... The little kid from Hereditary, you know, she needs to show up. <laughs> Nothing from the night house. Yeah, yeah. Literally just the absence of something. <laughs> the the eight like this this A twenty four one obviously is is our our bag. This is how we make it in the industry. But sure. I think there's gotta be some like monster mash parody where it is like Jeff the Killer. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't it definitely put that has. Past. That's there's so much music. That's kind there's of a Minecraft version, the Monster Mash, Blender Man. Oh, Minecraft mm-hmm. version, obviously. But think about how much music has been created, like just dedicated to like Five Nights at Freddy's or like Slender Man. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. kind of our answer to this. Like as long as recorded music has been around, people have wanted to make songs about monsters mm-hmm. that aren't particularly get, scary. The uh skin and marine monster could be in there. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of ways to go with it. The house from House of Leaves <laughs> is, is where they all hang out. <laughs> yeah. Claire and Nico, thank you so much for joining me. On this, of course. Uh, on this Spectacular episode. Yeah! Oh, I have oh. not heard Spectacular. <laughs> Holy shit. Please, please copyright that before we release this. Like, <laughs> yeah, trademark there. I'll delay the episode a couple weeks to make sure. <laughs> make sure yeah, the copyright goes through. Wait um, for that letter in the mail. Yeah. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening to. Uh, if you like the show, you can like rate or follow or whatever it is on wherever you're listening to it. It's on all the any podcatcher you got. The, you can share it with your friends, let people know you like the show. That's one of the best things you can do. Next time, uh, we'll probably, there's a, there's another Fallout Boy episode in our future. I'll say that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and yeah, do you guys have anything you want to plug before we sign off? Oh, I will plug, um, I've got a band. We're called The Death of James Dean. We're on Instagram, and we'll be on Spotify shortly. And, you know, um, we, we, we mainly do Monster Mash-type music. I, sure. I, I would say I think if you're a fan of the Monster Mash, you're going to love what we've got to offer. Right, especially if you like the album. Yeah, it, well, yeah, this is really if you're the kind of person who, like, is, is into, like, a first listen, you know? Like, if you really focus on yeah. on, on Monster Mash-type content, then you'll definitely love our, our band. Also a reference to the fifties, I guess. I didn't. I didn't think about that. My mm-hmm. my roommate picked yeah. the name. Yeah, yeah, very Riverdale. Oh, there you go. Yeah, book book us at your show, and we'll we'll play the Monster Mash for you. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, thank you guys once again. Thank you for listening once again. And uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Yep. Yeah. Ooh.